live for another great edition of Strong Style, Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of combat sports, more specifically MMA and professional wrestling and occasionally boxing. We get into stuff like that, but we've got a loaded show tonight. I'm your host, Jeremy, the Impact York. So much, so much to talk about. Of course, we're going to get into the latest from AEW. We're going to get into Monday Night Raw and WWE's offerings. We're going to talk some New Japan. We're going to, you know, everybody. We're going to hit all the wrestling that we always do. We're going to start with fighting. But before we do, I want to we give a shout out. Did, did realize that a buddy of mine was a big AEW fan. We've had some cool chats in the last day or so about it. He's watching now as, as it is actually on, not on here. But uh, shout out to James in California, big AEW fan. Uh, it's hard to go wrong picking anybody on that roster, and uh, I'm very much a fan of the people he is. So uh, shout out to him. Enjoyed some of the conversations lately and look forward to some of the ones coming up. And also, before I forget, as I always tend to like to do during the show, if you would like to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, review on any of the places that you can find our podcasts, and if there is a place that you normally get podcasts that we are not, please let us know. We would like to be there. Um, if you would like to just look at the show links, if you go to Twitter and you go to at Team Impact Media, you will find just the show links and things like that. If you... Uh, are so inclined to go to Twitter, Instagram, Triller, or TikTok at the Impact 99. We'll find myself. Had a blast. Uh, of course, you can go to Facebook and uh, look us up either uh, Jeremy York, Impact Media, Strong Style, That Sports Show, Board Check, any of that, you will find us. And uh, that we greatly appreciate. Greatly appreciate. Or if you want to email the show, 3endzone at gmail.com is the uh, current one we have set up for that. And we appreciate all the amazing things you guys send us. You guys do send us some really cool stuff, and it doesn't go without notice. We see it all. I do my best to respond to uh, all of it. And uh, like, I, like I was about to say, I definitely appreciate it. We got to live tweet the UFC event over the weekend. Of course, UFC Fight Night, Ortega versus Rodriguez. Had to get up a little early. Well, didn't have to get up early. Had to tune in a little early as that was started at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, got to interact with a lot of you guys and also some of the new friends that uh, we made at the PFL events a couple weeks ago. Got to uh, kind of hang out virtually with them, which was fun. Definitely enjoyed interacting with them and you guys as well. Hey, we're going to do it again this week. I believe the action kicks off at 12 noon Eastern time. That is 9 a.m. Pacific. That makes it about 7 o'clock Hawaii. And uh, we'll be live tweeting along. Hopefully you guys want to join in and do some stuff as well. We look forward to that. I think we got all that out of the way. So let's start by talking about UFC Fight Night Ortega versus Rodriguez. I'm going to start right there with that one. Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. In the featherweight division, we already knew that with the win, Yair, it was um, with a win. Yair said with a win that Dana said he gets a title shot. Okay. Well, 
this one was shaping up to be a pretty good fight. Ortega was wanting to take it to the ground where he had the advantage. Yair was wanting to stand and, and, and deliver and trade blows, and, and that's where he was more comfortable in this pairing. And there was a little bit of both. And at one time, Yair goes for kind of a kind of an armbar. I'm not sure exactly the technical term for it, but uh, Ortega is able to uh, pull his arm out of it. And uh, no, I did not misspeak in saying that. As he as he stood up and pulled out of the arm bar or arm hold that Yair had him in, uh, his shoulder popped out, which ended the fight. This was four minutes in. Four, four, what does it say? Four eleven was the official time. That counts as a TKO. Unfortunate for Ortega. Unfortunate for Rodriguez because I think this was going to be a really, really good battle. I don't know that it's going to go five rounds. I was thinking three or four. Uh, Ortega, after the fight, said that he's already basically had two shoulder surgeries. I think one on each shoulder. He was hoping to avoid it here, but um, he wasn't sure. Yair gets the win. Even he said, you don't want to win this way, but, you know, a win's a win. And that it is. So, let's break this down a little bit. What does that mean? Well, to me, you do not run this back. Because, for one, you don't know how long Brian Ortega is going to be on the shelf. It could be maybe they pop it back in and everything's fine, and in three months he's ready to go. Or he has to stay out, and uh, if he has surgery, it could be, let's say, next year sometime. You can't just put Yair on ice for that long. And Yair and, and Brian both said, hey, somewhere down the road, we do want to run this back. I just don't think it needs to be right now. Here's what you do. Brian Ortega, go heal up. If that means uh, just some, some rehab and some stretches and some rest, and it heals fine. If that means a minor procedure, if that means a major procedure, whatever it, need, whatever it takes, whatever you need to do, you go heal up. While that is going on, Yair Rodriguez, I think you get the next title shot in the featherweight division. I, I don't see another way around it. Uh, whether Yair wins the title or not, when Ortega is good to go again, I think that's when you match these guys back up and we get to see the battle that we uh, unfortunately did not get to see on Saturday. I think that, that pretty much is just how it spells out. I don't see how there's another way around this. Like I said, you don't put one of your top contenders on ice because you don't know how long the Ortega injury is. I mean, you hate it, but what if this drags on for a year, year and a half, and then it's it doesn't heal right? Then what do you do? You just uh, you're just kind of at a spot there, and I, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ortega is going to be fine. I think he's going to uh, rehabilitate and 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 be back in this. I do think it. I would say six months or better. So like I said, you're looking uh, early next year. I think that's very much where where you're at on this. But uh, other than that, that 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 first three and a half minutes was was very good. It it really did shape out and show us what kind of fight we were going to see. And I, I thought I thought it was going to be a really good one. I think everybody did, and it's just unfortunate one ends that way. Co-main event: Michelle Watterson Gomez. Yes, that is recent. She was Michelle Watterson forever. She didn't just recently get married. She just recently decided to add the hyphen and Gomez to the end of her name. Congratulations to her on that. 
she took on Amanda Lemos. Now, I know Michelle Watterson Gomez comes in with a lot of hype. She is uh, very popular, especially with the fans and uh, the fighting community as well. But Amanda Lemos, she gets the submission win in round number two, just almost two minutes in. I think it's like minute 48, 49, something like that. Amanda Lemos. And here's the here's the weird thing about this one. So she has gosh, was a, a guillotine. It was something along those lines. And she has it locked in on Michelle Waters and Gomez. And the referee is staring at the or he's on the side where he is on the left side of Amanda, but the right side of Michelle. So if you're if if they're if they're locked in that hold, you can kind of understand where he's at. Well, somewhere on the other side of 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 uh, both women, Michelle taps onto Amanda. There there is a distinct tap. There wasn't just a moving of the hand and it and it simulated one or it looked like. And so when that happened, uh, Amanda actually leaned back and let go of the hold, and the referee stares at both of them. And uh, they both embrace, not the referee, Michelle and Amanda. And uh, Amanda says, she tapped. And Michelle looks at the referee and said, yeah, I tapped out. And uh, so the referee called it at that point. Uh, it's, it was a bizarre event. Um, it, it's, it's, great. it's great that Michelle held by it because she could have easily played it off and said, no, I didn't tap. I don't know why she let go, but now she knew she was in trouble. Uh, she knew where Amanda was about to go and put her in a really, really big state of distress. So uh, I think the tap was was uh, coming up pretty soon there anyway. So uh, Amanda Lemos, big win. She improved to 12-2-1. And, one. and uh, if I was in the women's strawweight division, I would not want to face her. She is... She is dangerous. She is. Uh, she's gonna. She's gonna wreck a lot more people on her way, uh, on her way up the rankings. Uh, the the third fight. We'll go it that way. The uh, as I'm moving down the card. You had Li Zhang Li or Li Jing Lang. You know, I said that wrong. My apologies, Li. He gets the. Uh, TKO win over uh, Muslim Solikov. This was a pretty good fight. You know, it was towards the end of round two. Uh, Muslim just got rocked. Uh, Lee was was uh, throwing some uh, some big hammers, and uh, he, he was able to get him. And uh, it was, it was uh, you know, great stoppage. All that kind of stuff. Here's the thing about Lee, is they have almost done the pro wrestling model with him. They, uh, they were able to pick him out of China back in 2016, 2017, something like that. I think it was when he came to the UFC. They put him in fights. I'm not going to say winnable fights because any fight is winnable, no matter the odds. If you're in a fight, there's a chance you could win it. But they put him against people that were in his skill level where he was at. And as he as he got better, they put him against better competition, and you know those kind of things. They, in a way, they built this right because think about in any market, the UFC 
or in every market. The UFC wants a couple people that they can really push, really put the money behind and really make them stars so that that region tunes into their content every time they fight. So every time Lee fights, they want the, uh, the, the Asian, the, the Chinese backing. They want that to tune in. You know, think about uh, in baseball, Ichiro or Otani. They, uh, you want the, uh, the Asian market to tune into baseball. And so you feature their stars in order to do that. But you need stars to do it. And they've built Lee to be really, really good. And I mean, he's 19-7-0. That's a really good record. He beat somebody who was 18-3-0 and in Muslim, who was a great fighter. And they they kind of have a mini star going with Lee. I'm interested to see who they want to pair him up with next. Now he just won a fight, so it'll probably be a couple weeks before we hear anything. But I really like where they have him where his spot is on the card, and uh, it's he could build up into a, a big star in the welterweight division. Uh, just, uh, I really like what they did. Before that, before that, gosh, the, the fight right before that one. Matt Snell versus uh, Subodaji, I think is how you say it. Wow, I, you could almost do an hour on this fight. Early on in the fight, Matt Snell was getting in some good shots on Sumerdaji. And then Sumerdaji got in some good shots on Matt Snell, uh, especially early in the second round, and he had him whooped. There were, I don't know, countless times that Matt Snell looked like he was checking out. And not not for lack of effort. It just he took some shots while he was on his feet that I don't first first of all I don't know why he's why he dropped. Why he didn't drop, actually, why he was still on his feet. But uh Matt hung in there. And then the most incredible the most incredible comeback. Late kind of kind of Right about midway through the second, really. It wasn't late, but midway through the second, Matt Snell just come alive. And he put some shots on Sumerdaji that set up a just a uh it, it set up a, a great submission that Sumerdaji just didn't have anything left, I don't think. And so any kind of any kind of hold, especially uh, one that was going to worry worry him out like that was was uh, I mean especially a triangle choke, something to restrict the airway when you're already just dog tired out. And uh, Matt Snell gets this victory, and uh, my goodness, if you did not see this fight, probably ESPN Plus or something. Go for YouTube. Go find it. Go find Matt Snell versus uh, Sumerdaji which is S-U-M-U-D-A-E-R-J-I. I'm probably butchering his name. I'm so sorry for doing so. But uh, just unreal. Absolutely unreal. Uh, good victory for Matt Snell. Um, Shane Burgos versus Charles Jourdain. This one was interesting. Shane Burgos, to me, he controlled... 
Jordan a lot as far as, uh, and especially I believe it was the second round, where he basically rode Char- Charles Jordan the entire round. Uh, I thought Jordan had the first, and I actually thought he had the third. Majority decision later to Shane Burgos disagreed with me when, you know, the judge's opinion counts more than mine because I'm not a judge, which is fine. I, I had, you know, I'm not upset about it, but I just didn't see the fight that way. And so, I mean, not really controversial, wouldn't even say that. I would just say that we thought this was the one that would steal the card. Turns out it was the one right after that, Snell and Shugaji. This is a good fight. Like I said, Jordan was uh, was really mixing it up with Burgos early on. Then he took the advantage, in my opinion, in round one. And then in, in uh, round three, it, it kind of went back and forth again. Burgos was... was uh, doing more grappling, wrestling, and, and controlling, and uh, Jordan was landing some some big shots. Um, somewhere down the road, I'd like to see these two mix it up again. Uh, but for now, move Burgos along one direction, Jordan in the other. These these two should see each other again down the road, but for now, it was a good fight. Um, I'm just going to mention some good... I'm going to mention some good performances here in a minute. Last fight I really want to talk about because I want to set things straight. Not because of something I said, because I, I didn't say this, but the narrative behind it. And that is Lauren Murphy's unanimous decision win over Misha Tate. I honestly thought if it wasn't 29-28, it was 30-27. And it's not that Misha had a bad fight. She fought well. She looked good to be the first time in flyweight. I believe she's ever been a flyweight. First time she's ever been a flyweight. But everybody coming into this said, oh, Misha's going to move to flyweight. Uh, she's going to beat Lauren Murphy. Then she's going to get the title shot against Shevchenko. And uh, her and Bullet, man, it's going to be great. It's like, hold up. Misha's coming off a loss. Lauren Murphy's coming off a loss. Her loss was to Bullet Shevchenko. That even she says she was, she was not ready for. And not in terms of skill-wise or anything like that. She just oh, wasn't a good camp, whatever it was. Doesn't matter, but she just felt like she wasn't her best. She didn't feel her best at that fight. So Lauren completely, completely controlled and and uh, had the advantage in this fight the entire time. Absolutely did. Misha had some good shots, but Lauren uh, really had some good shots that went to Misha's uh, left eye which uh, stayed a little puffy and damaged the day after because there were pictures of uh, Misha Tate. She went to she go to a Yankees game or something like that, and she had a bandage over her eye. She said it wasn't quite good yet. But Lauren Murphy just dissected Misha Tate. Every time Misha was – she was a little timid, and when she did try to move in, Lauren was already on top of her. She she had Misha backing up a lot more and, and moving around, and uh, Lauren absolutely – deserve this victory. I understand where you're going to say now, well, does she just immediately go back up versus Bullet? I don't know yet. I'm not sure who should take on Shevchenko. But as far as this fight, Lauren Murphy absolutely deserved unanimous decision. She absolutely got it. Uh, Misha's going to be fine. I think this is a good weight class for her. Um, move them on, though. No need to, to rehash it. No need to make excuses for anybody. It was a good, solid fight. Lauren Murphy absolutely won. Uh, Misha Tate knows she needs to go back and uh, work on a few things. But other than that, 
just a good solid fight. Um, by far, I'm not gonna say upset because it's not really an upset. Uh, moment I didn't predict of the night. We'll put it that way. Moment that I didn't see coming. And that was Jack Shore getting his first loss because Ricky Simone submitted him in, was it round two? He was round two. But Simone was on it. Shore was throwing some things here and there, but all of a sudden, Simone puts the arm triangle on Shore, and yeah, three and a half minutes into round number two. Yeah, it just good for Ricky Simone. He's now 23-0. and Like I said, Jack Shore, 16-1-0. and Uh Short just come out flat. I, just, I don't know if he had a bad weight cut or a bad camp or he just didn't feel well or I, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe Ricky Simone just put it on him before he could get started. But by far, good for Ricky Simone. Jack Short's going to rebound. He's going to be fine. But uh, I think about eighty percent of people were on the Jack Short train, including myself. And uh, we, we all got humbled together. So look forward to what he's going to do in the future, but good for Ricky Simone. Uh, good win by Bill Algio, a TKO over Herbert Burns. He, he just dominated that fight. Punahele uh, Soriano, big win over uh, Dolce uh, Lungabuna. Lungabuna. Um, big shout out to Dustin Jacoby for his TKO win over Dylan Jung. Uh, Dustin Stolfus with unanimous decision over Dwight Grant. People try to go with Grant on that one. I, I think Dustin won that fight. Yeah, it, that was a good, solid fight. And then uh, one of the performances of the night to me, Emily Ducati, unanimous decision win over Jessica Penne. Once again, Penne is very popular. A lot of people... Uh, like her fighting style, and she's very good. But Emily Ducati come in with the only thing on her mind, picking up a victory. That's what she got. That wraps up the coverage on Ortega versus Rodriguez. Let's move now to the one coming up this Saturday. This is, is the whole thing ESPN Plus. It is all on ESPN Plus, so that will be fun. We got Curtis Blades versus Tom Aspinall in the main event. Now, this is the one over in London, the fight night over in London. So that is why I believe everything kicks off. Prelims start around noon Eastern time. But uh, Curtis Blades, who is known for being one of the best heavyweight wrestlers, not named Daniel Cormier. I think you could easily say that. Uh, he showed us the last fight or so that he does have hands and he loves to throw them as well. And then the up-and-comer, Tom Aspinall. Remember what I said about uh, about what they did with Lee in the uh, the Asian market, in the, in the Chinese market? Well, Tom Aspinall, you could say Patty Pimblett, you could say uh, Molly McCann. That United Kingdom market, you know, Conor McGregor's in there. There's, uh, there's some other ones, you know. PFL, Bellator, they're all the same that way, too, is uh, you want stars all over the globe because then you get those other sets of eyeballs watching the things you do, and you can go to do live events in those areas because you know you're going to get a big crowd. I mean, that's part of how the PFL 
is going to New York, London, and Cardiff, Wales. Because they know the markets are there. Because of the stars they have. But Curtis Blades versus Tom Aspinall. Blades is the better wrestler. Um, Aspinall, though, his, uh, I think he's got some pretty good jujitsu, if I'm not mistaken. I could be completely off on that, but I think this thing... Like, there's, there's a difference in, in wrestling, but then once it gets to the ground, what is Blades going to want to do? Is he going to try to get the ground and pound? If he does, then he has an advantage. But Tom can throw hands just like Curtis can. This is going to be a really cool fight. I'm not sure. Oh, I see here. It looks like Aspinall is actually the slight favorite at minus 135. That's, that's worth throwing a couple ducats on if you don't mind there. Curtis has a chance to at plus 115. That's not bad. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take Tom Aspinall in it. I like Curtis Blades, but I don't know. I just feel like it's Tom's time. He's he's uh they're both good guys. I've heard all, countless accounts from people on and off interviews about them. Uh, I just think Tom Aspinall is gonna uh, in his in his uh, home area there. I think he's he's gonna be the one to pull that off in the co-main event. Stepping in at the last minute is Chris Curtis, who is going to take on Jack the Joker Hermanson. Chris steps in like a week ago or so like that. I forgot who he's stepping in for, but hey, Joker Jack, he's got to watch himself. He's coming off a loss or so, even though he's quite good. Uh, Chris Curtis is actually coming off of a win or two in a row, maybe two in a row. So they're both minus 110. That means they have no idea how this fight's going to go. I think Chris Curtis is going to want to stand and deliver. He's going to want to to trade it, trade blows early. I think Jack Hermanson wants to take this to the ground. And from there, he believes he could take over. And I believe him there too. Um, because Jack has the wrestling to get it to the ground where his, his grappling and his uh, jiu-jitsu and, and submission game is, is uh, more prominent. A lot harder to make somebody submit when you're standing up. It can happen, but it's a lot easier when you're on the ground. So I'm going to take Joker Jack in this one. I think it is going to be a submission possibly in the second round, maybe early third. But uh, that's, no, that's no disrespect to Chris Curtis. I just think taking the fight at the last minute is either going to be really great or not so great for him. So uh, I'm just looking for a good fight for the co-main event, and uh, I'm going to take Joker Jack. Uh, third fight. So I'm going down the card, starting at the top. Patty Pimblett at minus 260 versus the, he's the favorite, the plus 210 Jordan Levin. For people that don't know, Jordan Levin is a pretty dang good fighter. He is more known for twerking over his fallen opponents at the end of fights, which means he finishes a lot of fights, by the way. It's not just that he twerks over somebody who just happened to be on the ground. No, he does it once he wins. He wins a lot. 10-1-0. Patty's 18-3-0. Jordan's a great fighter. He can throw hands. He can, he can throw submissions just like anybody. Patty is somebody they really want to become a bigger star. As long as his weight cut, because he seems to balloon up a little bit for the weight cuts. As long as his weight cut's good, which I'm pretty sure it is. 
Uh, Patty is the is the favorite here. He does have the advantage. But Patty Pimblett also, once or twice, maybe sometimes a couple times, gets a little over his skis, gets a little amped up. Not over his skis, really. He gets a little amped up and sometimes leaves himself kind of open for some shots by kind of overextending himself with some of his combos and things like that. If, uh, if he does that at the wrong time, Jordan Levitt will drop him. That's the two scenarios that happen in this fight. I don't think it goes to... Actually, you know what? It could go to unanimous... I mean, not unanimous. It could go to decision. This could go the full three rounds because uh, Patty's going to try to finish it, but if he puts himself in some vulnerable spots, Jordan's going to take advantage and, uh, and, and you know, even up the odds there. So there's a chance this thing goes to decision. I'm still, I'm still on the Patty Pimblet side. And not because he's super popular and likable and think it's not it's not the, the thing there. I think he is still the better fighter. But hey, if Jordan Levitt raises the, the hand in victory for this one, I would not be surprised. And uh, maybe it would wake Patty up to uh, maybe be a little more serious. Match number four, Nikita Krylov versus Alexander Gustafson in the light heavyweight division. Krylov is the minus two hundred favorite. It's not bad. Alexander Gustafson at plus 170, and that's, that's worth a couple, uh, couple quid there since this one's going to take it take place in, in London. A couple quid wouldn't be bad there because Gustafson definitely has a chance uh, to take that one. I'm actually going to take, yeah, I'm going to take Gustafson in that one. I think this one is going to be decided on the, on the feet. And I just feel like Gustafson is going to find those shots that are going to sting a little bit more than Krylov's. And match number five, Molly McCann, Meatball Molly, is going to, at the minus 400, big favorite, takes on Hannah Goldie, who is 6-2-0 and not a slouch fighter at all, but plus 310. Normally at plus 310, well, even if you want to, if you want to throw down a couple bucks on that, just in the off chance... Hannah catches her, go for it. But Meatball Molly McCann is an absolute just dog fighter. And in dog fighter, I mean you gotta take her out or she's gonna take you on a ride because she's she's just she's gonna stay in the fight, stay in the fight. You have to take her out if you're gonna beat her. You can't you can't just try to stand in and uh, deliver. With her, she's she's gonna she won her last fight with a spinning elbow, and it it hit flush, and it was all she wrote. Flip the switch. Uh, I think you take Molly in this one. Uh, Hannah's gonna try to put on a, a a good fight. I think I think Hannah's best strategy. This is just spitballing here. If I was Hannah, I would try to go at Molly really quickly and just just try to get the jump on her. Because if you try to stand and pick your shots, Molly is going to pick you apart. Uh, but I'm taking Molly in that one. Some of the other big fights, you got Paul Craig versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, uh, Paul Craig is actually the slight underdog at plus 135. Uh, Vulcan Ozdemir uh, at minus 160. That's going to be a fun fight in the light heavyweight division. Uh, I like Paul Craig. I'm taking a lot of the English fighters and a lot of the uh, United Kingdom area fighters there. I like Paul Craig, uh, but Vulcan could win that one too. I see that one going three rounds, and uh, they're going to make the judges decide that one, and that's that's going to be crazy. Um, there's another fight. 
Oh, the opening fight. Claudio Silva versus Nicholas Dalby. Dalby is the favorite at minus 260, plus 210 for Claudio Silva. Uh, this is just going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a real fun fight. Uh, I think Nicholas Dalby is, is, uh, has, the, has a big advantage if they can stay on the feet. Uh, Claudio, if it goes to the ground, I think has a little bit more advantage there with his skills. Um, and this one's going to open up the card. So I kind of want to see a little bit of a banger fight, and then I want to see see him work on the ground. want to see some fun stuff there. But that um, is that is the UFC card for Saturday. Now on Friday, not to be outdone, Bellator 283. We were going to get Tricky Pitbull versus Sydney Outlaw. But I'm checking just to make sure. I'm pretty sure that Patricky Pitbull had to pull out of this fight. And we have had a late uh, substitution. And if it would load up, I would tell you all about it. Uh, and I heard about this. I was listening to another MMA podcast. I was listening to... I think it's Big John McCarthy that, that uh, said something about it. Yeah, 283. We're going to get Lima versus Jackson. That's going to be really fun. That's going to be, yep, Douglas Lima versus uh, Jason Jackson, the welterweight. And I feel like, um, or no, that's 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 been bumped up. Sydney Outlaw is going to take on, oh, Tafik uh, Musayev. That's a fun one there, uh, and, and the light the lightweight co-main event. See, I think what's going to happen there is if Sydney Outlaw still gets the win, I think he's going to get uh, his title shot versus Patricky. When uh, that is resolved, my guess is an injury. I honestly don't know. But uh, Tofik, man, he's uh, he's he's a he's a banger for sure. He's going to go in there. He's going to try to get it done. In fact, this reminds me. I need to make my fights. I need to make my picks on, on the fights uh, on, on the uh, Bellator app and for UFC so I can post them. You guys join up on uh, the Strong Style pod. It's on the ESPN list. Just look for it there. If you can't find it, find me on Facebook. Uh, I'll probably try to put it on Twitter and some other places. Join the league, man. We're, we're trying to get some picks. Trying to see some fun stuff. Um, yeah, Tofik, he is going to want to stand there and, and, uh, and throw strikes for sure. And uh, Outlaw is going to try to avoid him, but still pick up the victory. But uh, I think, yeah, he's he's going to, I think Outlaw is going to be better off if this goes to the ground, try to look for a submission. Good luck on, on uh, Tofik, though. That could, that could uh, be hazardous to your health. But because that got bumped down, the new main event is uh, Douglas Lima versus Jason Jackson. That is going to be a, uh, a fantastic fight. Douglas the Phenom lives in Atlanta. I'm pretty sure I saw him at, at one of the PFL weeks, but I also think it's because he is friends or training partners or trains decisions. He is uh, six and eight in 14 decision based fights. So uh, he's, he's going to want to, he's going to want to try to get the finish and he's had 26 finishes. Now Jason Jackson, on the other hand, The ass-kicking machine. I know I don't use a lot of that language on this podcast a lot, but that is his actual nickname, and it is absolutely 
Drew. Of his 15 wins, four are TKO or knockouts. There are three submissions. He he wins eight decisions. So he may try to take this to decision and just put on a, uh, a clinic. You, you try to steal round one, you kind of feel him out in the second, and then you uh, you try to win round three, I think, is is uh, might be his way to victory. But, hey, if you can get a stoppage, get a stoppage. He's had a couple of those. He's never been submitted, so I'm not sure if that's good or bad. But that fight's going to be fun. Uh, let me go back real quick. Let's start there. Um, shout out Atlanta. If for nothing else, we'll take the hometown guy because we're near Atlanta. You guys know that. Or if you don't know that, hey, we're near Atlanta. I'm going to take Douglas Lima in that one. Uh, Sydney Outlaw versus Tofik Musayev. I'm still going to go with Outlaw. I think he's still uh, the better fighter. But this is another one where if Tofik ends up with a, uh, a knockout, or a submission, that would not surprise me at all. I'm going to take Sydney Outlaw in that one. Usman Nurmagomedov is going to face Chris Gonzalez. I think Usman's another one, kind of like um, kind of like Umalatov in the PFL, where you think that eight uh, eight of his 14 wins are TKOs or KOs. He's got the four submissions, just the two decisions. Seems to me he's going to want to trade blows. He's going to want to really get the strike fest going uh, against Chris Gonzalez. Now, Chris Gonzalez is 7-1-0. and His lone loss was a knockout. And he gets he gets four of his seven wins from decisions. He has the one submission and the two KOs. Still kind of a young fighter in this, but uh, you got to take Nurmega Medov. He is going to try to... He's, I think he's going to try to knock out Chris. He's one that, uh, like I said, it just seems like if he has to go to his wrestling, his grappling, his jiu-jitsu, then he will. But he very much wants to outstrike you. And I, I very much think that's what he's going to try to do. Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Mukhamed Berkomov. Lorenz the Monsoon Larkin. Has 24 victories, 12 of which, half of which are knockouts, and 12 are decisions. So you're not going to see a submission, more than likely, out of uh, of uh, Lorenz Larkin. Now his his losses, he got five that are decisions, two that are TKO. You've got to think he's got a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, so you know once he gets down, it's more for defense. He's not down there looking for a submission. If he sees one, he might try one, but he's going for the knockout. And if he can't get the knockout, then he's going to hope he put on a good enough show to take the decision. That being said, uh, Muhammad uh, Berkamov, we call him uh, Cherkis, if I'm saying that right, he's 14-0. and 0. He's, But he's got two knockouts, nine submissions, and three decisions. Looks like that purple belt for Lorenz is going to come into play because I see him chasing a submission. Uh, he fights out of Sanford MMA, so that's gonna that's gonna tell me a lot. But um, you know, in this one, as good as Lorenz is, uh, still give me uh, give me a Berkamov. I think Berkamov is gonna win this one. And then the last on the main card, uh, Davian Franklin is gonna take on Marcelo Gome. Davion all day Franklin. Is five and zero. He's got three knockouts and two decisions. He's gonna want to trade. It's a heavyweight fight. Those guys aren't into the hold so much. 
they either wrestle and take you down and ground and pound, or they usually will try to punch you out on your feet. Marcelo Gohm is 9-3-0. He's got seven knockouts and two submissions. Uh, he, could, he could chase him, and he's lost two decisions, so he's going to want to try to find that knockout as well. This one's ended in a knockout either way. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Davian Franklin over Marcelo Gohm. I, I don't know. Just something tells me that he's going to stay undefeated. And uh, he does outweigh Gohm by about 10 pounds or so. So I feel like uh, that's going to matter. But uh, this is going to be, I believe the prelims are on Bellator and Showtime's YouTube. And you can also catch the main card on Showtime. This is Friday night. Do not have a time. My guess is, does it say a time? It does not. My guess is probably 10-ish for the main card, probably 7 or 8 for the uh, prelims. But that's all the fighting to catch you up for this week. And now we are going to hear from our uh, hear a little message from our friends at betonline.net, and then we will come back and finish up with all the wrestling action right here on Strong Style. This is Jeremy the Impact York from Board Check, That Sports Show, and strong style. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we are back here on Strong Style. Remember to go and uh, visit our friends at betonline.net. They got more than just betting. They got stories. They've got other podcasts, things like that. And uh, uh, just super good deal. Go check them out. Now, we just finished up all the fighting. Let's get into the wrestling and the things that were last week. Uh, Some of the big things on Raw... um, Obviously, we got Brock versus Roman coming up pretty soon. Having Heyman in there. Uh, they've added Theory, which is a little bit of a twist, that uh, he keeps threatening to cash in on whoever wins. What is it? Next weekend, I think, is SummerSlam? I think so. Um, it's an interesting twist. It also could blow up in his face because either one, Roman or Brock, have uh, uh, one-shot knockout power. But uh, having, you know, even Sami Zayn involved, the Usos involved, those are kind of fun. But uh, it's it's really showing how highly they think of Theory. Theory, uh, Atlanta homegrown. Hey, another shout out there, you know. Um, Getting to work with Brock and Roman and Heyman is only going to make him better. He almost has a 
he almost has a Seth Rollins brashness to himself, just a uh, very confident in himself, a little bit of arrogance, but just super confident in himself. And I think that really shows, and it is, uh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's it's one of, I'm actually enjoying the storyline that is involving Brock, Heyman, Theory, and Roman. It's it's one of the best things WWE is doing right now. Uh, some of the other things have faded. There's some other things we'll get into here in a second. But uh, overall, I'm enjoying the, the main event, basically, which is that. And uh, I think you should, too. Let's see. What else is there? Um, I kind of enjoy the work of, of, of a lot of people. But it seems like Finn Balor and Damian Priest are just going to kind of flutter around in this weird gray area until Rhea Ripley comes back. And from the looks of it, we're not sure when that could be. She seems to be the pivot point for their Judgment Day faction. And so they're just kind of biding their time against the Mysterios that are not really doing anything either. But uh, it's a shame because those are a lot of talents that could be doing better things. And instead... They uh, are kind of stuck doing uh, low-level stuff. Uh, Bel Air versus Carmella was a pretty good match. Carmella is should be considered a, a uh, top-level talent uh, in the women's division for sure. Having Becky Lynch out there, we all know that Lynch and Bel Air are going to eventually uh, go at it another time. Um, I... I'm just not a Bianca Belair fan. She's very talented. It, it's not that. I'm not opposed to her or against her. I just, I don't like a lot of the bookings they've had with her. And for people new to the show, that booking, that is a term meaning uh, the way, the way they set up the some of the moments she has, the way they set up how she wins, who she faces, things. I, I haven't been a big fan of the bookings, which is not her fault. She doesn't do the bookings. It's their um, awful writing staff. But, uh, you know, I don't mind her being champ. It's, I'm just not a fan, that big a fan. Um, and, and I am a Lynch fan because she does incredible work. Her mic work is top-notch. Where she just flips switches in the middle of it. That's why her and Seth are such a good duo because he's the same way. He can, like, uh, he can go, like, 40 different directions. But uh, obviously, it'll come to a head. I would like to see Lynch take the title. Her as the champion, the defiant heel champion, I think, will do a lot better with people chasing her than uh, Bianca Belair as the uh, the proud champion, uh, fan favorite champion there. Um, it's looking a lot to me like... Miz and Champa versus AJ, or yeah, probably AJ and Logan Paul, or Ezekiel and Logan Paul is probably going to be the match coming up at the pay per view. Uh, Logan Paul does have the opportunity to kind of do the Ronda Rousey thing. Had a career outside of WWE, gets into WWE along with some solid performances. I think that is. Um, he has the potential to, to be a, I think he could be a star for sure, but he has potential to be a really good wrestler. 
if he continues to keep putting the, the uh, work in. And no better person to pair him with than The Miz, even though they're feuding. Because The Miz, Mike Mizanin, before he was a wrestler, for people who don't know, was on a little MTV show called The Real World. And he was on the Real World Road Rules Challenges. That's kind of where the wrestling bug kind of started. He even said on the show at one time, he said, oh, that's they were all wrestlers. All the guys were just like amateur wrestling around in the living room or something. And he said, no, that's what I want to do. I want to be a pro wrestler. And right after that is when uh, he kind of got into it and eventually made the WWE and worked his tail off. And that's why he's as successful as, as he is. So I think he's the right mentor for Logan to kind of go, you want to go from that world to this world? Here's what you're going to have to do. And also... Tommaso Ciampa and, and AJ Styles also as um, uh, people involved in that. It's going to be great. That's that's a great pair. Um, Dolph suddenly jumping back in the picture and dropping uh, Theory after preventing him from you know, preventing him from winning by cheating is interesting. Uh, Dolph coming back, the former NXT champ, just recently NXT champ, which was a good a good side gig for him. It's weird, no Robert Rude. But, you know, it's um, Dolph in theory. Dolph is going to get a lot out of that. And that he'll be in a major, he'll be in a major feud again. And Theory's going to get a lot out of that because Dolph is going to do for him what the Miz is doing for Logan Paul. He's going to round out some of the edges in Theory's game, and he's going to make him a better wrestler because Dolph pulls things out of you. He is he is this this generation's Shawn Michaels, where he he literally is the, the showstopper. Uh, if Dolph is in a match, he can pull out the most insanely crazy moments. And, the, and they're not these super flashy moments that almost everything is now, where it's just flip and fly and all that. No, it's just like the perfect thing at the perfect time. That very much um, is what Theory is missing from his repertoire. I think he's going to pick that up from Dolph. Let's go into SmackDown. This Pat McAfee, Baron Corbin thing is uh, going to be a great feud, the way they have uh, pushed things, the way they're going to do things. Um, it's fun when you find out that Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin were roommates as rookies on the Indianapolis Colts years ago. Uh, it's, it's a great – it just tells you how long they've known each other. They've known each other a long, long time. And uh, I wouldn't doubt that Baron Corbin helped get Pat McAfee into WWE, besides McAfee's own – uh, connections, but that makes this feud take an even more personal turn. It's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe McAfee will get a cool, clean win versus Corbin, but when the WWE normally works, they will find a way for him to shine and still lose. Uh, just what they like to do. They like to mess with their announcers as much as possible. But that's going to be a it's going to be a fun match because McAfee can actually hold his own, and Baron Corbin is a very underrated worker uh, in the squared circle. This whole beef between Liv and Natalia, I don't think there's a beef. 
I'm not sure what the, the house show footage that people saw had to do with where Natalia uh, got beat by pinfall and then no-sold no it, got up and said something to live and then rolled out. It almost may be a work. Once again, here's a term for, for uh, fans that don't know. A work is when they push a storyline that seems very real when in fact it is just part of the story they are trying to push. So like pretending that there is a beef between two wrestlers when in fact there is no beef, but um, in, in showing the turmoil between them, it makes the feud better. So I, I think that's, that's what it's doing because that will help uh, Liv's credibility when she beats Natalia. Obviously, we're going to get Liv and Ronda at some point in a in a rematch, but Natalia is kind of the gatekeeper in the WWE for a lot of women. It's usually one of the first or second people they face once they get up, and I think it's to show your worth and show where you're at. Years ago, it used to be Randy Orton on the guys' side or John Cena. Uh, before that, it has been people like Fit Finley, William Regal, you used to have to go through those guys, and if you look like crap against them, uh, they WWE had to start reconsidering things. But if you started to shine or to show promise, that showed them that hey, we, we did the right thing in bringing you up, and those, those kinds of things, just and behind the curtain stuff. But uh, Liv and Natalia, I think, can be a very good feud. I like Liv's move that involves her kind of doing a, a weird. Flatliner from from the ropes. I, I think she should develop a um, a submission of some kind. I'm not sure what, but she should uh, get a submission ready, and that would be a good way to beat Natalia. Um, Seamus Duck Drew again, which makes I don't I don't understand that. Um, they announced a special referee between the Usos and the um, I forgot what they're called now but it's uh, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford their tag team when they when they face I keep wanting to call them private party and that's the, the uh, slightly knockoff versions that are in AEW with them but um, Street Profits, there it is, Street Profits. Street Profits and the Usos when they face off at the pay-per-view. Uh, good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Jeff Jarrett is going to be the special referee in that. What does that mean? I have no idea. Probably means he's going to cheat and help the Usos win. Because that sounds like a Jeff Jarrett thing to do. But, uh, you know... The world of SmackDown is kind of it's uh, kind of like Raw. There's there's some good things, there's some okay things, and there's some stuff that they just didn't continue the thought on. But all in all, WWE's on the up and up. They've got some good things going. Like I said, there's there's some good ones going. Some good main event things and some uh, some little things here and there. You can tell where they are building this masterpiece for the rest of the year. And and there's there's going to be some really really good moments. Uh, let's go NXT next. Why not? NXT, we got to see Giovanni Vinci versus Apollo. Uh, Zion Quinn had something to do with the end of it. Zion and 
uh, Apollo are apparently going to get into something. Uh, nice of Giovanni to be able to pick up the win. He has the potential to do some fun things. I mean, I don't really know where he goes from here. Like, you can't move him up to the uh, uh, Max Dupree uh, runway model stuff, even though Giovanni's kind of carrying that kind of, uh, you know, Ferrari, Lamborghini driving European, uh, you know, that kind of philanthropist type guy. But uh, he he does some great work. He's a, he's a really good wrestler. Uh, when they when they took his tag partner away from him and and uh, left him all alone, I, I was not sure what they were going to do. But I do believe. I do believe that uh, he he has potential to to build up and still do some really good things. You know, he was Fabian Eichner before, for people who don't remember. But uh, I think Giovanni Vinci it has a better chance of doing things than Fabian Eichner did. So we'll see where they go from there. Looks like Cameron Grimes and J.D. McDonough, who is fresh over from the other side of the pond, are going to kind of get into it. That should be fun. Uh, Cam seems to be the new gatekeeper for all the new guys. And the ones they want to push. Um, that's what I said. There was some other stuff that I really liked. After all the build-up, Solo Sokoa is now facing Von Wagner. They end up just beating the crap out of each other. It was a double count-out. Just mainly just wasted time this week. Uh, Solo Sokoa, they... They were building up like he could be a real big thing real soon. And then just now they've randomly put him against Von Wagner, who they pulled up way too early. He got sent down almost immediately. And uh, I'm not sure if they know what to do with him. That's why they keep pairing extra people with him. He has two managers. It tells me a lot. Um, Mandy Rose versus Roxanne Perez. I don't know why they were doing the injury angle with Roxanne. It just didn't, didn't add up. didn't make a lot of sense. We still don't technically know who attacked her because they never really got into it. But uh, by the end, we saw the inevitable. Cora Jade has, has turned on her friend Roxanne Perez. And yes, I'm going to have a rant that involves this. Uh, Roxanne Perez, otherwise known as Roxy, who was the last Ring of Honor champion before the big break they took. She won the big tournament and everything. Um, she casts in her chance here to try to be the champ. She is a tag team champion with Cora Jade, who attacked her. Here is my rant about that. I don't have a problem with any of that part. So now you have the... Well, it is partially about that. So now you have... You have your women's tag team champions in NXT who one just attacked the other, but they still have the belts. Now, they won the belts from Mandy's cohorts, uh, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. Once again, I don't have that much of an issue with that part. My issue is that they, Roxanne and Jade were a team for all of about two weeks before they got the title shot that ultimately ended up with them winning. 
The team that they beat to get said title shot was, as I call him, KC Squared, otherwise known as Caden Carter and the now Katonic Chance, instead of Casey Canizaro, which is her actual name, from Ninja Warrior. You guys know her. Uh, the most established team down there. They're more established than Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Way more established. And they're better. Since these two paired up, what, a couple years ago? Or a year and a half ago? I think it was a couple years ago. Since they put those two together, KC Squared is fantastic. They're in-ring work. They are a classic tag team. They work together. They have innovative double-team moves. They are everything you would want in a team. And yet, they don't get a run with the titles. I don't know why. They're, they're, the crowd loves them. They get behind them. They like the moves they're doing. They, they get into the stuff they do. They, you know, the, they, they dance around some. They like that. And yet, you have them lose a tag team title shot. Fine. And then within a couple weeks, you have them basically job out. Another wrestling term, when you job out or you do the job, that means you, uh, you make the other person look really good knowing that you're going to lose. And uh, they basically jobbed out to Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade, who, as I just said, won the tag team titles after being a team for two weeks. So you see what I'm saying here? It's like this. It's like think about at a job. Hopefully it's not the one you're at now, because if so, gosh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you anyway. But let's say you have been at a position for you've been in a place for, for a little while. Let's say you've been there a couple years, and uh, they hire some new people, and then an opportunity to move into a different department or a different position comes available, and you're thinking, okay, well, I've been here a little while, you know, maybe I stand a pretty good chance of this. And they completely bypass you to take one of the uh, the newer people, somebody who hadn't been there near as long. That is what this scenario is. KC squared the most entrenched, the most complete tag team they have in NXT and you could argue probably in WWE in the women's ranks are one of the most fantastic teams. I just told you that. But yeah, they can't sniff a, a, a title run. Even if it was a two-day title run, it'd be better than nothing. They can't even sniff having the titles. But a team that had been together for two weeks can. It's, it's just... It's just dumb. It's dumb. WWE, I would love for you to explain that to me. I know you will not. But just, it makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. But I digress. Let's move on. Let's get through this real quick. Um, Impact Wrestling. It seems like Violent by Design is... Uh, trying to keep themselves together. They don't really feud, but Eric Young is, is acting like uh, he, like he's trying to decide if he wants to, to keep it together or not. Um, I think they should. They're one of the more established uh, trios over there, and I think you, you need a trio like that because it's kind of the Freebird thing. You can, you can have them as three, as two, or as one, and they are still super effective. So hopefully they, they keep them around. Um... Looks like Macklin, is it Steve Macklin? I think it's Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin and Sammy Callahan are about to get into it, and that is going to be great. Macklin has a mean streak, and Callahan is violent. 
violent in a good way. He's actually a controlled violence. I know he always has bats and things like that, but it's it's very controlled. It is great the way Sam Callahan uh, operates. So Macklin versus Callahan, sign me up. I'm in. Uh, we got Chelsea Green versus Mickey James. Really good match. The thing that did not make sense was after Mickey lost, as she was walking out of the arena, she made it seem like she was contemplating what she was going to do next. And not like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do next. It was a, uh, I may go home. Which wouldn't, uh, wouldn't really benefit anybody. But uh, Chelsea did get the win. Which is a good win for her, but I don't know. If Mickey is is about to uh, take her cow, cowgirl boots and, and go home, I, just, I feel like there's better ways to do it than, than that. And uh, one of my favorite storylines right now is the Masha Slamovich uh, kind of picking everybody off. She walks up to people, hands them yellow envelopes when you open it up it is your picture with red x's over a red x over your picture her latest victim was to neil dashwood she completely ran over her uh if they continue to build masha this way it is going to be she is going to be a big time big time star for them uh in the near future and to me, it looks like they're running out of things for the Bullet Club and Honor No More to do. They faced each other in about every way you possibly can, in about every incarnation, every way you can. Uh, you guys got to find something better to do. And I do believe that the Good Brothers are going to go back to Japan for a while, and they are not going to be uh, in Impact Wrestling for, for a little while. So and we'll have to see what they do, because the Bullet Club will be down to two members. Tashi, one of my favorites, versus Tashi or Taji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. This thing went like 42 minutes, and it was unreal how good it was. Uh, Takahashi is is by far one of the, uh, the the shining stars over there. They have a ton. They they the New Japan roster is basically. is basically as good on paper as the AEW one, where it's star after star after star. And it's in any incarnation, it's going to be fantastic. Um, Taji Ichimori, Ichimori ends up retaining his title, but uh, Hiromu Takahashi, man, that, that guy shines everywhere he goes. And uh, I look forward to see what they pair him off to do next. Because at the end of this, we saw the return of Kushida. Kushida got in Ishimori's face, not, not in a violent way, but he, he, he said, basically, I'm back. I'm coming for that title. And it's sooner rather than later. And uh, I had known Kushida had left NXT. His contract ran out. And I don't know if he didn't want to renew or they didn't want to renew, but it, it, they both decided to part ways. And uh, it was it was friendly. That's not saying he couldn't come back, but Kushida is probably going to uh, spend the rest of his career in Japan because I think I think he he is more suited to uh, the things he did there. Um, 
But New Japan, just killing it every week. It is fantastic television. Great wrestling. AEW Dynamite. We got to see Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow for the TNT title. Obviously, Wardlow won, but Orange, like every time he faces somebody different, you get to see a different side of Orange. He was he was flipping and flying and jumping all over the place, and, and it was giving Wardlow fits. But it also made Wardlow look good. Orange always looks good. Um, this was week one of Fighter Fest, by the way. Week two is currently going on. It's descended probably. But Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow gets one of my votes for one of the matches of, of the night. Um, Jericho and Kingston are going to settle their feud with a barbed wire everywhere match. If I get that correctly. Yeah, which is not gonna be great viewing. It's 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 gonna be a mess. I I'm not real sure why they would want to do that, but that they are so inclined to do that and it may have been on tonight's show. So I will look forward to that as soon as we're done here. It'll be the first thing I watch. Pleasant dreams for us all, right? I just I'm not into those kind of matches, but um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Konsuke Takashita took on John Moxley for his belt. This was a great... Takashita is going to be a big-time star somewhere down the road. Uh, Moxley ends up with the win in this one. But uh, at the end of it, this, this these two really, really... Did well. This this was uh, another great match. To be the second match of the night, it was uh, it was great. Um, Jake Hager versus Claudio Castanoli, otherwise known as Cesaro. They said these two used to team. I couldn't. Remember. I had to look it up. I'm still not that sure. And then. I mean, they, they have known each other a while from the WWE days. Maybe it was back, uh, maybe in uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling, which used to be the old NXT or something like that. They know each other from, from maybe the indie scene or something like that. But uh, these two, they went at it like they were old rivals. And uh, obviously, Claudio gets the win. He is going to have a match. What Ring of Honor, I believe, has the honor The it's not honor no more. I'll look that up. Ring of Honor, I believe, has a pay per view coming up this weekend, which I will get to here in a second. But uh, he is actually facing. Let's see, we have it. there. I'll check it one other place. Anyway, he's got a big match coming on Ring of Honor. I think he is facing the heavyweight champion. There we go. Yeah, they're updated the uh, Ring of Honor card. I will talk about that in a second. But Claudio gets the win. Hager looked good. 
in it. Uh, he had some big-time moments. Uh, Claudio just, man, the audience loves that guy. And in, in the main event, you had Team Taz, which was uh, Hobbs and uh, Ricky versus the Young Bucks, who were the, tech, who were the champs coming in. And, the, and then the third team in this was Swerve and Swerve Strickland and uh, Keith Lee. Wow. For the longest time, I thought that uh, Team Taz was going to win this. I, the whole time, I, I had a feeling the Young Bucks were not going to. This went back so much. Hobbs showcased so much of his repertoire that we have not gotten to see up until now. Um Ricky Starks showing stuff. I mean, God, that guy could he he is almost a young Cody Rhodes the way he he just puts it on. And uh, we know about Swerve and Keith Lee. We know what things they could do, but they 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 had these spots where you weren't sure if they were going to turn on each other or not, and uh, they ended up not. Swerve even had the chance to use one of the title belts as a weapon, and uh, he looked Keith Lee who was not looking at him at the time, and decided, no, they, if they were going to do it, they were going to do it the right way, which we all know usually burns you in the end. Except it didn't. Your new tag team champions in L.A., in L.A., in AEW, Keith Lee and Swerve Stripper. Uh, they're, they're going to be great. If, if Team Taz wants to, to go at them first, I think that would be the logical thing. Um, the Young Bucks knew they wanted to pass them along because they, they'll go do other things. They, they help run this company. They don't. They basically only take the championships when they need to build it up a little more or take it in a different direction. And they had to do that since they split Jungle Express. So, uh, fantastic main event. That moved us to Rampage, where uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, one of everybody's fan favorite tag teams, Took on Malachi Black and Brody King. Of course, the House of Black ends up winning this one, but uh, Johnny Hungy and Reynolds uh, did some fantastic things, including finding ways to German suplex Brody King, who is a massive human being. Uh, ultimately, like I said, House of Black wins, and then Darby comes out and decides to uh, get in a fight with Brody King because their match, of course, will be... It was on earlier tonight's show. Uh what a great matchup that's going to be. And uh, Black was going to jump in, and then Sting come out, and they had a big stare down. And then they both walked towards the back, and then they come out and stare at each other again. I would very much like to see that match. Not the tag match. I would like to see... I would very much like to see Sting versus Malachi Black. Uh, Brody Darby's going to be good. And then not to be outdone. Uh, I'm not sure if Miro is going to go good. Or bad, go heal their face. But the work he is doing, I did not quite think that religious angle would catch on the way it has, but people recognize that Miro is very special. I think he should make a run at the TNT Championship. I think he should go heal to do so. I think Miro versus Wardlow makes a lot of sense. I know they're trying to build Wardlow up, but Miro should take that title back. I don't think it would hurt Wardlow that much at this juncture, and you could send him in a different direction at that point, but uh, Miro very much is an underrated talent that should be showcased a lot more. I think he had an injury or a visa problem even, but now that he is back, 
I would push the crap out of him. Was there, was there another one? Oh, the gun club and the acclaim. Sorry to get into it. Whatever. It's uh, it, it's featuring the gun club, but it's allowing the acclaim to go face. The audience loves them. Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. They they are an up and coming tag team that should be in the title picture very, very soon because they are really, really good. They are kind of an FTR style. They're more of a classic throwback. They do have some new age moves, but I very much love the classic tag team-ness that they actually have. And uh, it'll be at the expense of the gun club to start with, and that's I don't have a problem with that. Main event was Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers. Uh, the Lucha Brothers could trip over a broom and mop, and I would consider the broom and mop the top tag team in the world. Because anytime the Lucha Brothers are in a match with somebody, it is going to be epic. And very much that's that's what this was. So, uh, just fantastic things. Anytime the Lucha Brothers are in the ring, make sure you're watching. Private Party looked good in this too. They've kind of had some stinker matches here lately. This one was really, really good. Absolutely just really, really good. But as I said, Ring of Honor has Death Before Dishonor. That is going to be, yeah, Saturday, July 23rd. That will be this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on Bleacher Report and all major cable and satellite TV providers. It's like it's $39.99. That is not bad. Um, and you can use, international fans can also use ppv.com and Fight, F-I-T-E. That is a cool app and website. Definitely use that. I use that for a lot of fighting things too. Here are the current matchups as of like two days ago. We're going to get Jonathan Gresham defending his Ring of Honor World Championship against Claudio Castanoli. I mentioned that a little earlier. That one is going to be fantastic. Jonathan Gresham will end up winning. But Claudio he is uh, not an original from Ring of Honor, but he did some of his best work before WWE in Ring of Honor. And that should be an incredible, incredible match. Uh, you also get for the Ring of Honor Television Championship, Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal. That is a throwback to the many, many epic wars that they had. Um, I'm going to say Jay Lethal is going to find a way to uh, underhandedly beat Samoa Joe. Just a just a thought I had. For the Ring of Honor Pure Championship match, which is a more, you know, only a couple rope breaks. You can't uh, you can't close fist punch somebody. It's more of a pure style that made Ring of Honor famous. It's it's fantastic. Uh, you're gonna get Wheeler Yuta defending his championship against Daniel Garcia. I think that is going to be a great matchup. I think Wheeler is going to keep his title. For the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, you're going to get FTR defending against the Briscoes in a two out of three falls match that will probably steal the card. These are two of the best tag teams on the planet. Uh, FTR very much reminds me of uh, throwback teams from the 80s that were just fantastic. 
and the Briscoes are, I mean, this, this could be a classic wrestling matchup. They are both extreme or both teams are extremely well-versed in, uh, in the squared circle. So should be, uh, should, should be just, just insane match. And the other one at this particular juncture for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match, it'll be Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. Martinez is probably going to retain in that, but uh, Serena's going to take her to the limit. They're going to really, really, going to really push her to the limit. That's going to be a really, really good match. They also say additional matches could be announced in the days leading up to Saturday. I haven't heard of any at the moment, but um, and if you got Honor Club, they're still they're still honoring all that. So I think you can subscribe to Honor Club for like ten bucks a month, and that's uh, that's access to their entire library that's just chock full of all kinds of amazing stuff. But that is going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for tuning in to Strong Style. It is always fantastic getting to uh, chop it up with you guys, getting to come on here and talk MMA, talk pro wrestling. There's so many great things going on. Make sure to catch Bellator 283 on Friday, UFC Fight Night on Saturday, Ring of Honor on Saturday. There's just so much action going on. But for now, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses. Go watch wrestling. Go watch fighting.